Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week-by-week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website, growmybaby.com.au. If you're trying to get pregnant, or you are pregnant, and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney. And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this. Well, welcome everyone to episode 23. 23? 23, Pat. Fantastic. <laughs> and today we're talking about hypertension and preeclampsia. Serious topic. A serious topic, yes. And we sort of wanted to lead on from our last one, which was all the symptoms in late pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and there's just some that we need to flesh out. So this is one of them. Uh, we yeah. might do a couple others that I think are important enough to have as a topic for their own podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. So there are some things that are that are not trivial, that the symptoms are serious and, we, and they can indicate significant underlying problems and we want people to know a little bit about those. Yes. But before we get serious, I want to read out something that somebody sent us uh, as a direct message, which is very funny. We laughed a lot when we heard this. All right. So this is from Isabel. I always like the name Isabel. My husband and I are at the beginning of our journey with all this stuff and a friend got us onto your podcast. My husband has taken this all very seriously and has listened to episode three and now wants to be tested for fragile eggs. <laughs> fragile eggs. Fragile eggs. E-G-G-S. Yeah, Egg. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Obviously, he's only ever heard about it on our podcast and has never seen it written as fragile eggs. So he thought it made perfect sense because the eggs may have had a thin shell or a crack on them. Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> it is a whole new world for I know, right? so many people. Who's heard any of this stuff before they yeah, get started? That's yeah. it. So I'm, I'm glad if we're helping everybody to sort of be more prepared and uh, more knowledgeable as they either start their pregnancy or throughout their pregnancy, then that is our job done. Brilliant. Um, we're very excited by that. All right. So on with today's episode... And it, it, it happens all the time. Every time you see an obstetrician or a healthcare provider, they put their blood pressure cuff on every single time. Every time. Every time. Why, why are we having that done? Well, I guess it's because high blood pressure, whether you're pregnant or not, doesn't really have any reliable symptoms. Mm. So sometimes people say, oh, I feel a bit sick. Could it be my blood pressure? Well, well yes, it could be. But the problem is your, your blood pressure can be very high. It might feel totally fine. So in the absence of reliable symptoms, we just have to check everybody all the time. Yeah. So checking your blood pressure is an essential part of a antenatal appointment, and what we're looking for is some um, is blood pressure that's you know, consistently high. We shouldn't be getting carried away about a single high measurement. If someone comes in to see some, they've got a seem to have very high blood pressure. They might have been running late. They might have anxious. been anxious. They might have been sitting in my waiting room while I'm running late. Yeah, yeah. So oh, that would cause anyone's high blood pressure to right? take off. So the first thing we do is check it again. Still high, then first thing I do is we take them next door into the other treatment room, put them lie, lie down, deep breathing, and then get my nurse to come in and out and take half a dozen blood pressures over mm. the next sort of 40 minutes and see whether we've got a real persistent problem or just a single elevated reading. 
so it's very important in pregnancy. Sustained high blood pressure can cause all sorts of problems, and we want to um, we want to pick the people up who've got it and treat the ones who need treatment. And we'll go into why it's a problem. But firstly, um, what is a high blood pressure reading? What am I concerned with? Yeah, I think uh, systolic blood pressures, so the top number consistently in, in excess of 130, 135. Mm-hmm. And then the... Um, the bottom number consistently in excess of 85, certainly 90, mm. then we, we really, we'd we really sit up and take notice of those numbers. Yeah. And I know that this isn't, it may not be a problem, but I always had low blood pressure, like it was always sort of 90 on 60. Yeah, so that's a normal blood pressure for a healthy young person. Yeah. And so most of our pregnant patients are young and healthy. Mm. So it's perfectly normal to have a blood pressure of, you know, 80 or 90 systolic, 40 or 50, you know, Certainly, fifty or sixty diastolic, um, and that if that person's upright and conscious and smiling, then that's normal. Yeah. Mm. So, is anyone at greater risk for developing high blood pressure? Well, in general, like in the in the general population, yes, and that's often related to family history. Mm-hmm. But in pregnant women, where we wouldn't expect if you had a parent on high blood pressure, but you were thirty years old, we wouldn't expect uh, you to have developed it yet. But a family history of significant high blood pressure you might be more likely to, to get that in pregnancy. But I guess the main risk factor is high blood pressure in previous pregnancies. All right. Yeah. So if it's your first go, we don't know about that. But um, if in the first pregnancy you were treated for high blood pressure and eventually developed preeclampsia, then yes, you're at significantly higher risk than the rest of the community the next time around. Yeah. And so if if I do come back with a high blood pressure reading, you know, what do I do now? What's the treatment? Well, it depends what well, you know, let's say we've established through a couple of visits that it's the real thing. It's consistently high and it's high despite, you know, taking the reading in a restful environment and what we call serial blood pressure, several in a row. So then we might get to the point where treatment is necessary and it's a bit different to the treatment of high blood pressure in, say, a 50-year-old man who, who is diagnosed with some high blood pressure from his local doc, Mm. but they might say, well, let's not reach for the pills straight away. Let's see what three months does of um, stopping smoking, weight reduction and stress management. Yeah. Do we have three months in someone in pregnancy? Not really. Okay. So if someone's um, otherwise healthy person, we can't see a major contribution from anything else, then we tend to reach for the treatment pretty fast because high blood pressure in early pregnancy can affect the way the placenta forms and it can affect the stiffness of the blood vessels within the placenta, Mm. and that will have consequences for the baby in this pregnancy. Not just the risk of big ticket things like preeclampsia, but even how big the baby's going to get. And um, they get too big or too little? Too little, growth restricted if the placenta's not working properly. The origins of the placenta not working properly might date right back to the woman's blood pressure being too high at the time the placenta was forming. Yeah, right. And a growth-restricted baby, we often see this on the internet, is IUGR, isn't it? IUGR, that's intrauterine growth restriction, yeah. yeah. And there are a lot of causes of that, but maternal hypertension is one of them. So if I've been diagnosed with high blood pressure and and then you've started some medication, is there anything that I could be doing also to help mitigate that? Yeah, absolutely. So then you also do the other things that we know to help. So managing body weight quit smoking and uh, managing, uh, getting exercise Mm. um, and managing um, emotional stress. Yeah. Yeah. 
So all of those things will also make a contribution. And even if you might have already been started on tablets, it's not like those things are a waste of time. Yeah. You'll get away with less, needing less medication if you're addressing the other causes at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so does that sort of keep everybody's high blood pressure under control or uh, what It works then? most of the time. Yeah. So we've got several medications that are safe to use and uh, plenty of dose adjustments that can be made. And mm. it's normal. It's pretty common for a single medication to do the trick, although we have to juggle the dose a little bit. And sometimes we'll have people on two medications to, to really treat a hard case. Mm. And this is usually done by obstetricians themselves and occasionally in conjunction with you know, uh, blood pressure doctors, you know, general physicians, cardiologists, whatever, who um, might help us out with a difficult case. And is there a, a likely week for this to be happening? Well, it can start at the start, mm. which is why we're checking the blood pressure at the start. Okay. But, you know, visit schedule at the start's only about every four weeks. Mm. So even if you were picking up a little bit of blood pressure, you're only a couple of weeks away from an appointment, it would be picked up. But, um, yeah, it can start in the first trimester. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned preeclampsia, which I don't know. What is that? Well, preeclampsia is a common and serious complication of pregnancy. And it's a, a combination of high blood pressure plus other organ dysfunction within the mum. And uh, so typically the woman will have high blood pressure, proteinuria, which is protein leaking from the kidneys. And does that just get picked up from like a dipstick test? Yeah. Yep. And then extra and edema, which is swelling, mm. so more swollen ankles. And we covered that in the last episode. Um, it's not, not, not always normal. Not yeah. always normal, yeah. Yeah. So it typically works like this. You come in to have your blood pressure taken. And if it's perfectly normal, then you don't have preeclampsia and we carry on. If it's abnormal, then we start saying, is this just pregnancy-induced hypertension, which is high blood pressure of pregnancy, mm. and we need to be three out of ten worried? Or is this preeclampsia and we need to be 8 out of 10 worried? Mm. And so we would then go and check the urine and have a careful look at the ankles and look for swelling and and uh, build a case from there. Could this be, is this ordinary high blood pressure or preeclampsia? The significance of it being preeclampsia is one of the organs that preeclampsia affects acutely is the placenta. Mm. So uh, suddenly we've got a dysfunctioning placenta and a baby that's in trouble. And in trouble because it's not getting its nutrients or yeah. oxygen. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, as efficiently as it needs to. So would you also get sort of a reduction in fetal movements? Well, you might in the, if you were very sick. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and you said it's common, but how common is preeclampsia? Yeah, it might affect up to 7% of pregnancies. Wow. Which, which is an awful lot. That yeah. is a lot. Now, it doesn't cause really serious disease in, in, in all of those, mm. but it can and it can be unpredictable so that um, if someone's got a little bit of preeclampsia, they've got some mildly elevated blood pressure, a little bit of swelling and a little bit of urinary protein, mm. do we freak out and deliver? No. We observe and make a management plan. And the management plan will include a lot of surveillance in case it's about to suddenly turn more serious. Mm. And the um, that would mean you know, more visits, watching more closely, taking more blood pressures and uh, scanning the baby to make sure the baby's coping all right. Mm. Yeah. Now, um, it might stay like that for weeks. Mm. 
give your time for the baby to get bigger. Keep growing. And, yeah, yeah, keep growing. Get uh, more more gestational weeks under its belt and certainly enough time to give those antenatal steroids. Mm. So we've got, maybe we've got someone at 33 weeks, develops preeclampsia, but it's mild. And we think, well, right now, our baby's better off in than out. Let's give the steroids in case we need to deliver early. Mm. That helps the baby get better lungs. Three or four days later, it all gets worse. Suddenly, the baby's better off out than in. Mm. Well, bingo, we've given the steroids. And even though we're delivering at 34 weeks, baby comes out with lungs like a 36-weeker and everybody's happy. Yeah. Wow. So um, is it all just dependent on age and stage, gestational stage? What happens, for example, if the baby is 30 weeks and it just has to be delivered? That's just a, a preemie situation. That's the way it is. So yeah. a certain number of um, very premature babies are that way because we've we've made them come. Mm. Yeah, they, don't, they, don't, they haven't all come by themselves. The only true treatment for preeclampsia is delivery, mm. and that's the way it is. So if we've got a mother in danger, we're going to get the baby out. Mm. Uh, and we we try and prepare for that as best we can, but um, you know at any given time in a in a special care nursery there'll be some prem babies who we made them be prem yeah uh, to treat the mother. Oh, so it's not just a risk to the baby preeclampsia; it can have a risk to the mother too. Absolutely, yep. Yeah. So untreated, it'll pro- it'll progress sometimes rapidly. There seems to be almost two types. There's a there's a slowly grumbling type where you can buy more time, mm. and there's a rapidly progressive type where the woman's fine one day and not the next. Mm. But we talked about the way preeclampsia causes organs within the mother's body to uh, play up. Kidneys start leaking protein. The liver can become inflamed. But when the preeclampsia affects the woman's brain, she'll have a fit, a seizure. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So in the developing world, seizures from preeclampsia and the difficult management of that is responsible for quite a lot of the poor data of women not mm. surviving pregnancy would be undermanaged preeclampsia. And um, thankfully in the developed world, we pick this up before that happens. Mm. But if someone's in danger of that, if they're looking like uh, they're showing a set of signs and symptoms that they're getting rapidly sicker, then we bring that woman into the hospital and we start an infusion of some stuff called uh, magnesium and magnesium given to the mum will change the seizure threshold so she won't have a fit. Mm. And then we buy ourselves some time to get the baby out and make sure the mum is safe. So what are the main signs of that rapidly deteriorating preeclampsia? So it'll often be that the woman has um, not just the high blood pressure or the swollen ankles, or the protein in the urine, but she's starting to get symptoms. So a severe headache is one of them, Mm. and that's the preeclampsia starting to affect the brain. Epigastric pain right in the middle, just below the sternum, that's the preeclampsia starting to affect the liver. And um, hyperreflexia, so you examine the woman and and her reflexes are really increased. You only have to just touch below the knee and the knee will kick right up. Um, And that's a sign of an irritated central nervous system as part of the preeclampsia. Yeah, right. So we put all that picture together and we work out, hang on, this isn't just high blood pressure. This isn't just a mild grumbling case of mild preeclampsia. This is the real thing. Yeah. Into the hospital, magnesium to avoid a fit. And deliver. And how does that, well, I'm guessing you're going to say it depends on the severity, but how does a woman with preeclampsia deliver? Uh, depends. <laughs> <laughs> depends on depends the severity. Depends on the severity. So we might, we might easily have time mm. to go for a vaginal birth. Best case scenario, that woman's had some babies before 
and she's near term. Yes. So we do a vaginal examination. Cervix is two centimetres. Um, you know, favourable. So, I yeah. hear you say that a lot, favourable. Favourable. So two centimetres, um, the dilated. cervix is nice and soft. Well, mm. it's not dilated in that she's already in labour. Oh, yeah. It's something called a multi-os, which is that's just as closed as the cervix gets yeah. when you've had some babies before. So it's just sitting there at two centimetres. Easily allows us to break the waters, mm. put up a drip to get the labour started and go for it. Mm. Even though she's got high blood well, hypertension, can she still uh, sort of withstand the syntocinin and the... Yeah, and often it seems like women with severe preeclampsia, their body almost needs, almost knows the baby needs to get out because yeah. they often labour very well. Yeah. And um, it needs expert observation. One of the things that can happen with very severe preeclampsia is that it can affect your body's blood clotting systems. Mm. So if you lose your body's blood clotting, then having a, a vaginal birth or a cesarean section might be very dangerous. Right. So um, we've got to keep watching and make sure the blood's clotting normally. And if it's not, we can give stuff from donated blood products to make it to restore its clotability until the baby's out and the preeclampsia passes. Yeah, wow. So it's funny, preeclampsia is serious in an emergency, but it's also an everyday phenomenon. Well, especially if it's 7%, like that's quite high. Yeah, so it's an everyday phenomenon on obstetric units is the the management of preeclampsia. And in fact, you know, we talk about the big gains that we got in safety for women and babies in the 20th century and the proper management of preeclampsia would be right up there. Yeah. Safe cesarean sections and the proper management of preeclampsia probably are to thank for most of those safety gains. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so if a woman's had preeclampsia once, what's the risk for her in any future pregnancies? Yeah, it's interesting. It's, I mean, it's definitely higher than some random, a randomly selected person from the uh, woman from the rest of the community. But um, the woman's actual risk, it depends a little bit. And one of, the, one of the interesting things is it depends on if she keeps the same partner. Oh, really? So, yeah. So if she has another baby with the same partner, the risk is less. And that might have something to do. I'm so puzzled. I mean, what yeah, would... we we don't know. We, ah. no, we don't. We know that that's a thing, but nobody knows exactly why it's a thing. But it does seem this is still subject of research. We know how to fix preeclampsia, but we we still don't know exactly what it is or exactly what causes it. And it'd be good if we did. Mm. We, um, but um, to a certain degree, it might partially have an immune basis. Oh wow! And it might have something to do with the maternal response to paternally derived genes within the fetus. Oh, my God. Um, So that might explain if you have another baby with the same person that you don't have such a strong reaction. There's a, um, you know, we're talking about possibilities here. We we don't know this for sure. Get a new partner, your preeclampsia risk goes back up again. Yeah, wow. Back to where it would be. It's like a... New roll of the dice. New roll of the dice. And yeah. um, so it's one of the many reasons why you should hang on to your existing partner, all, <laughs> all things being equal. Here you say that to me, yeah. Lucky I didn't have preeclampsia, hey? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, dear. So um, what happens in future pregnancies then? Well, we might just watch that woman a little more closely. Um, we watch everyone closely, but we yeah. might just watch that woman a little more closely. And as the weeks go by, and in particular when she approaches the week's the, that she was when the preeclampsia kicked mm. in last time. So 
if she had preeclampsia at 35 weeks last time, then maybe 33, 34, 35 weeks this time, we might be bringing her to clinic more often, making sure she sees that she's a senior experienced obstetric person. Yeah. And um, taking any deviation from the normal course very seriously. Mm. Yeah. So someone else, if their blood pressure was a bit high, we might just say, oh, they might be having a bad day. Yeah. But for that woman with that history, we'd say, no, no, it's probably, it's probably started preeclampsia again. Let's, mm. uh, let's admit observe, do some more tests, take it seriously. Is that, when you say admit, is that somebody that um, gets told to have bed rest? Well, bed rest doesn't help. Bed rest no. itself doesn't help. When I say admit, we're just, we, we might admit that person for surveillance. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's hard outside of the hospital to do a blood pressure every half an hour for hours at a time. Yes. Yeah. Um, a couple of tests a day, a couple of CTG tests a day to make sure the baby's okay, get an ultrasound. Mm. And sometimes the most efficient way to get all that done in one day is, with an, is as an inpatient. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And some people turn out to be fine and go home and other people deteriorate and the best place to deteriorate is in the hospital where we can uh, where we can move on process. quickly. Mm. Yeah. Especially because as a disease it's prone to getting rapidly worse. Mm. Yeah. How often do you see preeclampsia? Um 7% of all your uh, well it's a yeah it's a week it's a weekly thing to consider mm. and you know and most weeks I'm in the public or the private system I'm treating it in one form or another mm. Mm. yeah i didn't I, that's uh, surprised me i didn't realize it was so common yeah yeah. It, yeah it is so so it's one of the many reasons why it used to be dangerous to have a baby yeah yeah well, a big tick for um, modern obstetrics. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yes. All right. Well, I think we've covered everything we had on our list for hypertension and preeclampsia. Yeah, it's one of those things that I think it's not rare, mm. and we should know something about. Yes, that's yeah. right. Not avoid. Yeah, yeah. Not not so that we hope it happens to you. Of course, we don't. It's so that it's just that head in the sand doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, um, this is something you may well. It may well happen. Yeah. When yeah. you know better, you go better. That's yeah, exactly. definitely the um, ethos that we try to do everything from. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like birth by cesarean section. It's not rare. Yeah. Um, so whilst you might not want it and you might not be planning for it, it seems to me sensible to know something about it. Yeah, that's right. In case it winds up happening to you. Yeah. And that's not struck by lightning odds. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. um, worth 33% or something. Something like that, yeah. So, Australian stats the other day, yeah. yeah. So worth worth knowing something about. Yeah. And by all means, keep your attitude that you don't want it to happen and yeah. keep your attitude that you'll be, you know, really hopeful and planning and staying good, Nick, and watch your body weight and all those things that can help you avoid it. Yeah. But knowing a little something about it, is what we're all about. Yeah, exactly. Our podcast, our Insta, our pregnancy program, and preeclampsia is in there. Yes, definitely. So if you've got any little comments that you want to make, please do so. Um, we'd love to hear from you either as a DM on our Instagram, which is at grow underscore my underscore baby, or even leaving a review on our podcast. We listen, uh, we read all of them. Sure do. <laughs> we love them. And until next time, keep well and keep safe. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.